So I'm watching uh, American Graffiti the other night, right? George Lucas's first film. And it's got all those old 50 songs, you know, the ones where they're going, yip, 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 boom, 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 na-na, sha-na-na-na, sha-na-na-na, ba-na, sha-na-na-na, sha-na-na-na, yip, 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 Like, who fucking came up with that shit? Like, who decided that was fucking, like, that's... Like, uh, that's why that's a wild time capsule to go back into the 50s and just listen to like some guy just going, yep, 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 Classic shit, though. I'm telling you. Like, that movie, it, uh, course it was a showcase for um that era that bygone era that um happened um you know while you were cruising that whole cruising thing the cruising culture the car culture uh souping up your your car um nobody really does that anymore you know like we uh we did that we kind of had a small version of that on uh Sunrise Boulevard um like Friday nights Saturday nights up and down Sunrise Boulevard between like Madison Avenue and like Greenback that little stretch I think eventually that evolved into what they called the Herpes Triangle it had like Bobby McGee's and like a bunch of other sad restaurants and uh, Marie Callender's and shit like that where um, if you were beyond the car culture or beyond the cruising aspect um, you ended up probably after graduation from high school you and, and you got your fake ID or maybe you were old enough. Maybe you were that guy like uh Matthew McConaughey and Dazed and Confused, that guy, that that dirt bag that kinda, you know, works some shitty job, you know, but he always hangs out at the cruise and watches the high school girls, you know, and he's like, Every year I get a little older, but they still <laughs> but they don't age or whatever he said, fucking But that but yeah, so if you weren't cruising, you were um, heading into, like, one of those restaurants, Bobby McGee's or something, saddling up to the bar looking for some skank, you know, with, like, HPV or something. But uh, but American Graffiti was, that's kind of like the time capsule fucking movie for all things kind of, like, 50s, cruise culture, car culture, small town mentality, you know, um, George Lucas's, uh, f- first, first movie, uh, before he, it was four years before he did Star Wars, before he created this whole mythology. And, uh, but he, but it was based on, uh, and I'm, I don't know if you've heard this before, you probably have, or if not, um, basically it's about McHenry Avenue in Modesto where he used to cruise. Like he was a car guy. He was a tech, he was a technical guy. You know, he was one of those, like, that's why like his student film, uh, what is it called? Uh, THX or is that a sound? That's a sound company. Uh, TRX. He made some, 
he made some crazy futuristic kind of robot war movie before Star Wars that nobody knew what to do with it. Like, what the fuck is this? But it's all based on kind of his gadget, his, his fascination with gadgetry, right? And so he was a technician, but at, that came from a car culture. Like, he was a car... His, his sister still lives in Modesto. And uh, he, he lives in uh, San Rafael. He owns, like, half of Marin County. But, uh, uh, matter of fact, I even saw the, the dude one time at the food court in um, San Rafael at the mall. I'm like, damn, that's George Lucas. Just kind of unassuming. This little guy walks by, you know. Very, he's very short. And... Uh, but, uh, but so I'm nudging my lady. We're watching this. I'm like, you ever see? like, she hadn't seen it. So I, I'm like, we, okay, well, we got to watch this. So, uh, 73, this is 73 before any, like before anything, before anything, before, um, before taxi driver before, well, I think it was, let's see, it was after Godfather came out because Coppola produced produced American Graffiti, but he had already, he was already kind of riding the coattails of Godfather, the Godfather, the first one, but before Star Wars, before Jaws, before all that shit, right, Indiana Jones, all that, there was American Graffiti, and, uh, and it's about his nights cruising on McHenry Avenue, the main drag in downtown Modesto, but it's filmed, and I was nudging my lady, I was like, check this out, so, a lot of these scenes, and I thought a good portion of it was filmed in San Rafael, and some of it was on 4th Street, uh, particularly the scene where John Milner, uh, one of the main guys, gets pulled over, um, and uh, he gets a ticket for, uh, he's missing a bulb, a light uh, uh, yeah, like a license plate light bulb or something like that. Anyway, he gives him a ticket and, and he just kind of crumples it up and puts it in uh, his glove compartment uh, with all the other crumpled up tickets. And uh, that that is San Rafael. But I think, I believe the rest of the uh, movie, the, the main strip, the drag strip, or the, the, the main drag is uh, actually Petaluma. And then the final scene is... Um, where he drag races Harrison Ford. Um, I thought that was like out near Livermore, kind of out in the outskirts, kind of on the other side of the East Bay. But it wasn't, that was also uh, on the outer edges of Petaluma, kind of where the, you know, the hilly little bluffs and so forth. But fascinating stuff like that. Like every, and I was like, like, I forgot how many people were in that fucking movie. It's It's insane. It's like, um, Richard Dreyfus before he was anything, um, before Close Encounters, the third kind, before Jaws, um, Ron Howard, who, you know, how many movies has he directed? I mean, ha- before Happy Days, before all that shit, um, Harrison Ford, uh, Cindy Williams from, uh, Laverne and Shirley, um, Mackenzie Phillips, from one day at a time, she was the she played the teenage girl that stuck riding around with uh, John Milner. Um, uh, God, I mean Wolfman Jack, Suzanne Summers, Kathleen Quinlan, who played uh, she was in um, she played the 
reporter who was also a high priestess witch in Oliver Stone's movie uh, on based on the, uh, about the doors. Uh, I mean, just fucking coming out of the woodwork with people. Unbelievable. And uh, such a good movie, too. But the, 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 the premise kind of is... Um, Oh, it's THX 1138. So while Lucas... Yeah, I just pulled up the, the little summary here. So while George Lucas was working on his, his first film, THX 1138, uh, Coppola asked him to write a coming-of-age film. So that's where this came from. Um, but yeah, that movie, THX 1138, it was... Nobody knew what to do with it. This was It was kind of like the prototype... I, in some regards for Star Wars. And, um, but, but again, nobody like knew what, like, what, what am I watching? What is this? This is, uh, I don't know what's going on here. Right. So, <laughs> but, but the, I guess the premise, so, uh, if you haven't seen American Graffiti, I highly recommend you go see it because it's kind of centered on, um, basically it's kind of pivots around. I would say if I, if pressed, I would say it's, centered uh around two two or three characters one is richard dreyfus he's kind of the main character and he plays cindy williams brother um who is ron howard's girlfriend in in the movie and then ron howard being the other so there are those two guys richard dreyfus and ron howard are going away to college but richard dreyfus is having cold feet and he's like i don't know if i'm gonna go i don't know if i'm gonna go the third character i believe is probably probably the most one of the most important characters is the John Milner uh, character played by uh, what's his name Paul Lamat is that his name yeah Paul Lamat who's kind of the cruising dude he's like the guy that didn't leave town he's like the guy that went to Bobby McGee's in the in the you know in the herpes triangle you know when he was twenty years old he's kind of he's kind of like the Matthew McConaughey of Days and Confused like Days and Confused is kind of like a modern pothead version say i i would say of like american graffiti and um but the whole idea i guess is kind of like you know richard dreyfus he, he, he doesn't want to leave he doesn't want to leave to go uh, back east to college he's supposed to he's supposed to go the following morning this this whole movie takes place in like the span of like mm, eight hours it's like a, it's like it's like from the minute like school's out to the following morning and everything in between. So the following morning now, Richard Dreyfuss is supposed to get on a plane, a little, you know, a little prop plane and, and head east to go to, to school, uh, I guess with Ron Howard. So he's like hemming and hawing and he's, through the movie, he's kind of going through this kind of crisis, this dilemma, like, should I go? Am I, am I ready to leave town? But... But it's kind of illustrated in the notion that, um, you know, well, you know, what are you going to do if you don't leave town? Well, you, you know, maybe you go to a junior college or you stay, you stay local, but what is, what does that really mean? Well, that's kind of what the John Milner character is. The summation of is like the guy that didn't leave town. He just kind of worked on his car, kind of hits the cruise every Friday night or, you know, Saturday night. And he kind of, it's in a, I guess that it's an arrested development situation, so to speak, you know, 
and and the pitfalls of that and and the benefit you know the mm, i mean it's momentary kind of mm, popularity or or you know a sense of a sense of oneself you know uh building themselves up being like that big fish in the small pond or what have you but richard dreyfus now he's um you know i mean there's there's there is a there's kind of a has it you know there's a um, a i'm sure there's a hesitancy with a lot of people i know people like that i know people that um like this girl kim sue went to usc out of high school and um i i beat her in a spelling bee in sixth grade but she's very smart like super smart like ridiculous like i don't know her her high school gpa was probably like 4.4 or something you know one of those types right but she went to usc and she came back i think after the first semester she was uh just couldn't couldn't deal with it i don't know some people just they can't get a, they can't do it they can't uh she ended up i mean she ended up staying uh i guess maybe she, i don't know where she ended up going when she came back i don't I don't know. She ended up marrying this guy, Chris Hawley, who was, uh, who I knew, uh, he was in my biology class. He was also on the track team. He was, a, um, one of the guys, uh, one of the throwers, he was a, like a discus thrower, a shot putter, but very athletic, but he's also very, uh, um, uh, very smart too. They're both super, super smart. I ran into them at an energy fair when I was repping the, uh, the Nissan Leaf for Nissan. Um, and, uh, in Turlock, California, of all places, just down the road from Modesto. So it's kind of weird, but, but yeah, some people just can't get, uh, some people don't want to leave. Some do and some don't, right? So, uh, maybe to maybe better characterize, um, the whole situation is like, I guess it's that you know this guy, you know this John Milner character, the Paul, the the one that Paul Lamatt plays in American Graffiti. He's that guy. He's the guy who has the the fast car, right, or the coolest car in town. There's always that guy, right? Like, so for example, um, I ch- like dig. Okay, so like, there's always that guy, right? Like. What do you know that guy for? That there's always that guy that you know wears shorts in winter, right? There's always that guy that's always in shorts, right? That's his thing. Like that's how you know him, right? Or um, or that guy with the beard, the beard guy, right? Like I guess it's kind of like his definite or he it defines his personality like you know he subscribes to the uh, uh the beard uh instagrams and uh he uh he's a member of some club that gets like special beard combs and oils and he's got that handlebar or barbershop looking mustache you know that he waxes the ends but like it's his whole like that's his thing that that's his identity right like John Milner's car in American Graffiti, 
is his i that's kind of his identity there's somebody else in there that the movie portrays that he's kind of like this mm, you know tough guy exterior but uh but in the end you find out he's really not that he's really not that guy but he's identified by his well by and large through the movie he's the central figure that uh, you know him by his car right you know um matter of fact there's a there's a i saw this article online this dude this chinese dude in um this marathon in china he ran uh i think he it might be a world record if it's recognized or something i don't know it just the gist of the article was this dude ran a marathon uh, in three hours, 28 minutes, chain smoking the whole way. Like, what the fuck? Like, uh, <laughs> I'm not even, like, excuse me. I'm not even making this up. Like, um, let me see. <clears throat> let me see. This guy's name is, uh, says Chinese man runs a 328 marathon while chain smoking. Um, on November 6th at the Xinjiang Marathon in Jian, China, a runner who goes by the name, the nickname, Uncle Chen, made headlines after he ran a marathon in three hours and 28 minutes while chain smoking a pack of cigarettes. Well, he finished 574th overall out of 1,500 runners. What the fuck? And uh, <laughs> he's been photographed smoking during other marathons. Matter of fact, in 2018, he clocked in at 336. He clocked in at 332 in 2019. And apparently only smokes when he runs. He also, it says, happens to be an ultra marathoner who has run distances from 50 kilometers to 12 hours. <laughs> Is he smoking the whole time? Like, motherfucker. But if he's chain smoking, if this motherfucker's chain smoking for three and a half hours, that's, uh, I mean, you know, what's it like? A, one cigarette's about what, five minutes if you're, if you're chain smoking? So that equates to 12 cigarettes an hour. So for three hours, it's 36 plus another half hour is uh, 42, 42 fucking cigarettes. <laughs> Yo, that's more than two packs. In the, course of, in the course of a marathon? Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, and he only smokes when he, when he runs? Fucking hell, bro. Like, that's hard. That, and not only that, like 328, like that's about, like 30, I think 301 is a seven minute per mile marathon. So 328 is right at about eight minutes per mile, which, hey, I just, tr I just fucking suffered through 14, 13, 14 miles of a, of an ultra marathon without smoking and that hurt and I don't know this guy he looks fit but it's like I don't know I mean Asian culture is obviously they, they they do value smoking like 
and gambling. Like my, I, I got Cambodian friends. I got, you know, Asian friends, counterparts, Laotians, Vietnamese. And that's the thing. I mean, it's not, I'm not, I'm not, it's not a derogatory thing. It just go to any casino. What are you going to see there? Right? Shit ton of Asians, all forms. Right. And they're all smoking by and large. They're all, they're all smoking. So, but eight minutes per mile for a marathon while you're smoking, like fucking what? Like, and it just, eat, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I used to smoke, man. I get it. Um, it's relaxing, but so is running. God, that's, that's so bizarre though. Is it? And, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's a recognized, like, I don't know if it's a recognized world record or not, I, I, but that guy is, that's his thing. Like, that's what you know him for. Like, that's mm, maybe just short of a personality. Like, I wouldn't label his personality. Like, you know, be, you know what I mean? Like, when I'm saying, like, you you know, is your personality your beard? Is it, are you, or are you, are you that guy that, like, uh, is like 50 something, but he's still got that flat brimmed hat, you know, uh, chain wallet, black socks and white, white Converse or something pulled up halfway up your calf, you know, looking like a skater guy, rock, it's not rockabilly. It's not, uh, I don't know what, whatever that is, you know what I'm talking about, that motif. Um, like in, um, like Tiger King, like, um, that guy, what's his name? Jeff, uh, not, not Joe exotic, but the other guy, um, who was like his, he was, he came in after the beginning, he was going to invest some money or something. He was going to be a benefactor of some sort, but he was all full. He was full of shit, but but he's older guy. He's like 50, mid fifties, maybe even close to like sixty, and he had some uh, younger girlfriend. But he had like the bandana and the flat brim hat, and he probably had a chain wallet. But I don't know what that style that thing is. But like the older guys that do that, like that, it's kind of like, are they trying to be hard? Is it a person? That, what I don't know what that is. If anybody can tell me what that is, it's fascinating. But. But when you're like 50, you know, like, um, I don't get it. And, 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 you know, speaking of like vintage, vintage stuff, like there's a, there's an Instagram page that I stumbled across purely by accident, but she's, uh, that's her, it's, it's all vintage and she's not the only one. There's kind of an overlapping too of that, of that rockabilly pinup pinup girl sleeve tattoo uh, vintage dress vintage hair style crossover thing you know what you know what I'm talking about but this particular Instagram page uh, I'm not gonna say the name of it uh, honestly because I can't think of it off the top of my head I can't I don't remember but it's this um, it's this woman who's I don't know, maybe early 30s, but she's got the whole 1940s look going on, kind of the 
the the the hair thing, the the you know like 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 somebody like like a like a um, like a singer in a USO band, like a backup singer, or maybe the you know what I'm talking about. It's got that vintagey look on it, and she but she sings all the, her thing is like singing those vintagey songs, um, you know the old. 40s numbers, the Benny Goodman stuff, uh, the old, uh, what do you call those, like show tunes and shit like that, and and in some and in some of my video clips and she sing with, there's like uh, another dude like at the piano and they're leaning on the piano and they're singing those old 40s vintage songs and it's kind of, it's borderline weird, but it's like, if you're into that thing, like you get it, and it's, it is fascinating, like, and I don't know what kind of leads to that. I mean, there's maybe certain traits that you may identify with. You're like, oh, I like that style clothing or or the whole um the whole resurgence back in like the late nineties of like the swing or or rockabilly. Like, you know, stray cats and um Brian Setzer Orchestra and Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, that whole revival thing of the you know, the swing, the swing band, the rockabilly slash swing band type stuff, you know, kind of the greasers, but they also had chain wallets and they wore those wife beater t-shirts and, uh, you know, oversized slacks and shit like that. And I don't know, you, you know, there's something that you identify, like, like if you were to go meet Brian Setzer, who I think is a brilliant musician and, and he really, I mean, he, he milked that whole genre for everything he could with the straight cats and then his own his own band his other his his orchestra band after that uh but he may i mean he he got the most mileage he could out of out of that that whole thing but it's like but it's probably something he identified with right like he latched on to he probably liked the style the heavy the heavy guitar the saturated guitar of you know the strumming that you know that whole thing and uh but if you were to go meet this guy Brian Setzer you'd think okay this guy's that's his thing I don't know like you're going to you're going to expect that he's going to be working that 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 thing I mean I could be wrong I'm probably wrong you know he probably is fluent on many topical contemporary subjects who knows or no maybe he's stuck in some again some time warp of some sort you know but it it's uh again it's like that it's that personality thing it's like this is you know when you you talk in that slang hey daddy hey daddy oh you know <laughs> or like the crystal the crystal person, the person that, you know, into the chakras and the crystals and the hot stones and the, you know, and they, their name is like Sky or, or, uh, you know, Rainbow or something. And that, and, um, and they, of course there are people that, um, it works out for them, you know, that's their their mo like they're just like that they wear those uh what do you those like uh 
multicolor kind of kaleidoscope style kind of wraps, you know, as a as a skirt or a or a partial dress of some sort, you know, and they got beads, there was there's always beads, they've always got sandals and they're always like you know, man, like, you know, like, we should probably, you know, check our, our chakras and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. And it becomes their personality. So you know what to expect when you kind of, when you kind of cross paths with them, you, you kind of know what to expect. So I don't know if that is, you know, maybe there's a sociological, uh, uh, type of pathology that you could trace that back to or something, you know, beyond it, beyond it being something that they just latch onto. But I don't know, is it arrested? Is it an arrested development situation where they're like, they taught, they, 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 they hit a mode and then they tap out and then they're like, I'm good. Like, I'm going to be that vintage person. I'm going to be that dude with the giant beard. I'm going to be, that's my beard. That's I'm the beard guy. I'm beard or, or like the, 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 you know, the person that's, uh, or like the pothead, you know, the pothead, it's a classic example. It's like, bro, I can, let's go, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna go down to the fucking, we're gonna go to the ice skating rink, but first, God smoke, bro. You know, like, let's smoke, bro. Like, before we watch this movie, I gotta smoke, you know, before we eat this rack of ribs, I gotta smoke, you know, like, hey, before we go to the car, I gotta smoke. <laughs> You know, it's like, you know what you're getting. You know what you're getting with them. And, but, but what is that sociological phenomenon? Like, is it, have they hit the ceiling? Have they, are they that kind of that house plant that's been put in the closet, you know, with uh, the, the, the low shelf that only grew, you know, to that shelf, you know, and it just, and that was it. Like, that's, they just tapped out. Like, I'm good. This is where I'm at. I'm, uh. This is what I'm gonna be. That's I've realized my potential, you know, or like, uh, or like workout dude, gym dude. It's funny, but I don't know. It's there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, leaving town, not leaving town. I mean, I'm sure there's a factor. Like when I was up at Humboldt, like the plaza, um, the Arcada Plaza is like this literally like the square, the town square, and it had a big statue of William McKinley in the middle, which I don't know why, because McKinleyville was up the highway. They called it McClanleyville, because that's where all the, the real colorful characters lived. But uh, but in this four-way kind of square was all the bars, so you'd be at the bars Thursday night if you were old enough, and you'd see people that, you know, came up for their education, came up for school from wherever, wherever they came from. You know, I knew guys from New York, from Southern, a lot of Southern California guys, uh, some Oregon guys. And, and when you get, when they got up there, like they just stayed there. Um, you know, they got out of whatever town they grew up in whatever cityscape, whatever little high school town, whatever situation they, they left. But when they got there, they stayed. They're like, okay, I'm good. So you go to the bars and then after, you know, 
I'd, I'd go up there off and on periodically until about, I don't know, until about five years after I got up there and then I finally had left for good. Uh, but in between when you go up, you'd, you'd see, you know, the guys that came up and they stayed there. They stopped. That was it. Like, they're like, I live here now. This is, this is where it ends for me. This is where I, I you know, I used to live in uh, Orange County, California. Now I live here and now I'm on this, I'm in this bar every Thursday night. And uh, so it's, I mean, that's what it is, what it is, right? But, uh, but I don't know if personality guy, beard, beard, beard personality or chain wallet guy or that guy has anything to do there might be a correlation, say, with like that dilemma that Richard Dreyfus was dealing with in American Graffiti. Do I leave? To, do I do I leave the comforts of home of, ta- of the town, uh, or do I venture off into the unknown? I don't know what's going to happen. You're going to get chewed up. Am I going to get chewed up and spit out? It's a foreign environment. I've never. I don't know where. I don't know anything about back east or on the west coast or the Midwest or. You know, New England, you know, the Ivy League, you know, Princeton, you know, in uh, New Jersey or Cambridge, Massachusetts. I don't, that's a whole, I don't know, trial by fire. It's kind of like a whole cultural kind of, it's like a cultural bucket of ice water thrown in your face. And how you react to it is kind of how you maybe set your, plot the plot points to your life where the, whether you become kind of this strange vintagey person rockabilly girl pinup pinup style you know 1940s looking bombshell type that uh, sings 40s show tunes or you cower and you are left to try and uh grow as much as you possibly can in the little town that you came from, or the big town, I don't know, I mean, it's not a given that just because you were born in New York, New York City, that you, that it's all downhill from there, I mean, that's a huge, it's a huge cultural melting pot, and then if you were to go to school in the, at the University of Kansas, where, like, you know, seemingly there's a lot less uh, to choose from culturally, spiritually, emotionally, you know, aesthetically, geographically, financially. I mean, is that, uh, do you, do you then regress? Is that a regression? Can you only go up? I don't, it's bizarre. It's funny. It's strange. But, uh, but inevitably, in the end, uh, we know, obviously, that uh, the fascinating part of, in American graffiti is the, the or the thing that makes it work is this thread, this narrative thread, or this journey that Richard Dreyfuss goes on. Kind of like uh, Leopold Bloom in uh, James Joyce's novel Ulysses, this guy that just kind of takes, it takes place in uh, that fucking giant-ass book takes place in one day in Dublin, Ireland, this, the journey of Leopold Bloom, which 
is uh, it's kind of got its parallels and metaphors with uh, with um, the Odyssey of Ulysses and his journey from uh, you know the the ancient Greek story that uh, was told about you know fighting Cyclops and uh, all these kind of mythological situations and uh, so this guy Leopold Bloom is going you know he's it's a day in his life in um, in Dublin Ireland in like 1904 I guess I think and and the same with American Graffiti it's like this guy this kid who's at a crossroads he's about to leave the next morning and he just goes on this adventure all night you know and he runs into like a gang that are you know about ready to kill him because he, he sat on the wrong gang member's car at the wrong time and but he befriends them and that becomes his thing and then he goes uh, the whole time he's searching like in the beginning oh because uh, near the first part of the movie Suzanne Summers, 1973 Suzanne Summers from Three's Company fame pulls up next to him in a white uh, T-Bird and uh, you can see her tell Richard Dreyfus, who's sitting in a, another car uh, supposedly she says I love you but it's only a uh, you can only, it's, it's a you know, you're reading her lips, but it looks like it. And he just becomes enamored with this girl. So he spends the, you know, most of the movie trying to find this girl as she turns away. You know, she 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 turns off the next light and she's gone. And he spends the rest of the movie trying to find her. And he ends up, uh, you know, at the end of the journey, seemingly the end of the journey. He's like, um, he ends up in Wolfman Jack's radio station asking him if he could send a request over the airwaves to call him at a certain payphone, at a payphone of all things, yeah, uh, which in the end, he, uh, he does, he, they, um, he, he ends up that morning, the morning of, uh, as he's getting ready to leave, if this payphone rings and it's uh, it's her, and uh, but it dawns on him like, yeah, he he has to go, he has to leave, he's not gonna be. It just seems like uh, like you kind of know which way the wind's gonna blow with a lot of these a lot of these characters. Ron Howard, he's kind of going back, but he's 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 t- he's telling Cindy Williams how you know when he goes off to college that it would be natural, a natural progression to possibly see other women and that backfires on him. Like, duh, like, has that ever worked? Has that ever worked for anybody? Um, and you know, it's funny is it just, he's kind of right. Like, like when I moved up to Humboldt, the first thing I, I did, I, uh, well, I was living at this, the first place I lived in Humboldt was, uh, this house with these two, well, these three other dudes. One guy on the team, this kid Jason Young from from Coos Bay, Oregon, where Steve Prefontaine's from. And then these two, like, beer-drinking dudes. One guy was a weight, uh, a weight thrower, 
or uh, you know discus discus thrower and uh, shot putter like like Chris Holly was on the team, and then his buddy Todd, who went to the College of Redwoods, that was the junior college down the road, which those two guys primarily spent most of their day just drinking beer and uh, watching daytime TV, I think. But he, but this guy Rich is huge, just kind of monolithic person, this thrower, weight, this discus thrower on the track team. Uh, he's like, uh, I walk in, he's the first guy I see, and I, he looks at me, you know, all six feet, 139 pounds of me, and he's like, got a girlfriend like uh yeah he's like write her off <laughs> if you're out of you come in from out of town man there's no long distance relationship working i'm i'm telling you that's part of like that's part of the collateral damage that's part of like the the that's the shit like when the when the plane's going down and you got to start dropping weight the girlfriend's one of the first things to go, and uh, and he was right. I mean, I, I hung on as long as I could, but nah, it's just inevitably it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. So, uh, but yeah, Ron. So Ron Howard's character is like he he uh, you, you just you just don't verbalize it. Like women just that never works. It's just that's all it's just bad, it's just bad. But it it worked for the story of the movie in the end because the the climactic scene is essentially where uh, Cindy Williams kind of. She uh, ends up. She ends up with Harrison Ford in his car. He's he's the one uh, looking all over town for this John Milner character, who's got the baddest car in town, and uh, wants to you know he wants to drag race. So in the end, they race. Harrison Ford crashes his car. Spoiler alert. Sorry, but um, and. Uh, Cindy Williams realized she's made a mistake. They, you know, she reunites with Ron Howard. Ron Howard's like, uh, he, you know, eventually they all go off to the to where they were intended. They were supposed to be all along, right? Richard Dreyfus boards a boards a little uh, commuter plane, a little uh, DC ten or DC three or something, a little prop commuter commercial plane for back east. You know, hasn't he hasn't slept all night gets on the plane, his plane's taken off, and as he looks out the window, he sees the white T-bird that Suzanne Summers is driving in, just going down a country road somewhere in Petaluma, California, as he's heading for the East Coast, so funny, so strange, and uh, I can kind of, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it, you got, you know, your life's in transition, and it's seemingly, I don't know, by and large, I think we all, maybe we're, it's, it seems like we're always in, we're all always in some state of transition, right? Um, Jesus, we got Thanksgiving coming up in a, in a week's time, one week from today. Is that right? Holy fuck. Is that right? It is. Oh my God. Fucking hell. Yep. So it's kind of made me think of like when he hopped, when he got on that plane, you know, it made me think of that time like, uh, oh, cause, uh, oh, cause speaking of which, shout out to, uh, everybody that's going to be running the NCAA cross country division one 
Division One Cross Country Championships. We got. It's going to come down to three guys. It's going to come down to three guys. Uh, my early, uh, my early pick was Nico Young from Northern Arizona. Uh, but Charles Hicks look, is looking pretty good from Stanford. And then, uh, is it, uh, Alex Meyer? I think it might be how you say his name. He's, from, uh, I believe he's from Oklahoma. They're running on his home course, I think, in Stillwater, Oklahoma. So that's going down Saturday. It's going down. It's going down for real. Going down for real. But I think it's one of those three guys. Um, and, uh, God, it's already been... Jesus. I can't believe it. Like, when I got back from the Division Two Championships back in the day, I remember landing at... Uh, landing at Humboldt. And uh, the week of... The week of Thanksgiving. And... Uh, I immediately had to turn around and get on a little puddle jumper type plane like Richard Dreyfus did and uh, fly right back to Sacramento from uh, the Arcata Eureka Airport in McKinleyville, California, McClanleyville, California. Took a little puddle jumper right out of right out of uh, McKinleyville and uh, didn't even have a bathroom there was no bathroom on the on the plane little tiny little commuter like what happens if you gotta go to the bathroom you know that's happened you know that's you know you're up there about what 12 15,000 feet 20,000 feet depending on where you're going where you're headed and all of a sudden you get the you get the old wobbly boot you know the old bubble guts you're like oh jesus go to a happy place go to a happy place right <laughs> but yeah every, whenever i see the ending of american graffiti i think about that when richard dreyfus gets on that plane the time i had because when i landed for thanksgiving um the sacramento international airport <laughs> sacramento that's funny that doesn't make sense. Where do they go? How international is it? Where do they go? Canada? But, uh, but when I had to, when I left for Thanksgiving, I, I, I did have to, I, well, I had to go to the bathroom, boy. They held up the whole plane. I was coming, I was going out on the tarmac to get on this plane. I thought, I said, I, I got it. And I said, you know what? I, I think I even told the pilot. I'm like, dude, I got to use the bathroom. I got to, I got to go. So I ran back into the airport. They're just waiting there, you know, like one of those, one of those old like little staircases that come off the side of the plane with the with the hand you know the little rails on the side you know they're all just sitting there waiting for some fucking six foot 139 pound geek who just got back from Pennsylvania to go fucking drop a deuce in the Sacramento International Airport. <laughs> But that's what's up. Thanksgiving coming up in a week's time. A fucking week. One week away. And then, and then, no, uh, no, the D1 Cross Country National Championships. Going down. It's going down. Then Thanksgiving. It's fucking getting crazy, man. It's fucking nuts. This is crazy, man. All kinds of shit going on, but. 
But we're in it now. We're in the thick of it now. Whether you like it or not, if you're a holiday guy, if that's your personality, if you're that guy, if you're the, you know, you knock on your uncle's door and he's fucking, he opens up the door with one of those bad sweaters with like the light bulbs that light up on it and shit like that, fucking just run. That's all I can tell you. Just run. Just fucking run, man. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. But other than that, I got nothing else for you. All right. So, uh, let me see. I, I will talk to you all. I will talk to you uh, before Thanksgiving, but uh, yeah, just trying to keep it together till then, man. A lot going down, a lot going down, but I'll, uh, until then, I'll talk at you later. Arrivederci, baby.